Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Field Notes, the business line podcast on agribusiness and commodities. We have a very special guest on our show today. This is Professor Rajiv Varshne. Rajiv Varshne is Research Program Director for Genetic Gains at IcriSat based in Hyderabad. And he's also the adjunct professor at Murdoch University in Australia. He's one of the most decorated Indian scientists in the field of agri-sciences. We are very happy to have you, Rajiv. How are you? Good. Thank you very much, Vivek. Really, very excited to join this podcast. Thank you very much. I'm doing fine. Listeners, the context for having Rajiv on this week's show is that along with an elite team of scientists in India, Rajiv has been at the forefront of creating what I would call a veritable revolution in the cultivation of chana in India. I would let Rajiv articulate the importance of chana in India's agronomy. Chana is a hugely important source of cheap protein for millions of Indians. And thanks to Rajiv and his colleagues' work, India has achieved paradigm success in increasing increasing the yields of chana. We have achieved almost a doubling of yields. Welcome Rajiv. If you can lay out to us what did the chana landscape look like, its importance in Indian agronomy and what were some of the challenges that you sought to overcome and change? Thank you very much Vivek and I think you are absolutely right. The chickpea is very important pulse crop especially in India where we are having that very serious issue of malnutrition and majority of our population is suffering from the low amount of the proteins in their diets. In these contexts, I think having enough amount of proteins in the diets is really very helpful and pulses crops like chana, they contribute a lot in this direction. Now India and where majority of our population is vegetarian, for them again these pulses are key sources for providing the protein. And when you talk about chana or in English chickpea is important across the country and chickpea is an important component of our food. Either this in the form of dal or chole, you say anything, you are basically consuming chana almost every day. However, the issue is that production of chickpea, which has increased for last few years, but we, India is the largest producer of chickpea, largest consumer of chickpea, but we still import chickpea from other countries. So I think that one of the most important challenge before the agricultural science community is that how to enhance the production. So if you compare from 2000 to 2020, chana production has increased from about 4 million tons to about 12 million tons or so. During the last two, three years, even chana production has reached to about 12 to 14. So this is going ups and down. But if we consider that how much proteins we need for our population, I think India needs to produce at least 18 million tons of chickpea by 2050. And area, you cannot keep on enhancing the area because you know that population is increasing and we need to use this arable land for producing other crops. So now one of the major challenge for us will be to enhance the crop productivity. Right now, this is about 1.12 tons per hectare and sometimes 1.5 to 1.7 tons per hectare. Rajiv, just to give a snapshot, as you said, India is the largest producer and consumer of chickpea. You said about 12 million tons. That is roughly about 80% of the global output. Rather, I will say that 90% of chickpea is produced in India itself. So more than 80%, of course. Okay. And you mentioned our average yields at around 1.1... Uh, 1.5 to 1.7 ton per hectare So in India. And this is after the improvements over the last few years because the average so, yields had yeah. been stagnating at around 975 to 1000 yes, yeah. kilograms per hectare. 
So this is something like 900 kilograms or one tons per hectare. But now by using the modern technology and then using this improved quality of seeds. So during last four or five years, this has improved. And now we are using much more sophisticated technology and we call this genomics assisted breeding. And by using genomics assisted breeding, we have a potential to enhance this crop productivity further, even more than two tons per hectare in short term. But in long term, this can go even much more higher. Just to provide a little bit of more context, on top of the huge nutrition security that Chana provides, it is also very significant for small and marginal farmers in India because it grows in marginal farmlands, in unirrigated drylands. In fact, Chana can grow on soil with just 20% moisture content and very low organic content as well. Isn't that right, Rajivji? Absolutely. This is one of the reasons that why we are having low productivity of chickpea in our country because chickpea generally grown in the marginal environments by smallholder farmers. And before the Green Revolution, we used to have good amount of acreage of chickpea in northern India, basically in Punjab and western UP, where we had really good lands or so. But during last 40 years or so, chickpea production has moved to the central and southern India, where we are having the serious issue of this water and also irrigation facilities are not that high when you, these crops are grown by smallholder farmers. So these are some regions that the crop productivity in the farmer's field is very low. Mm -hmm. Rajiji, before we go into the science of your research, could you give us a nutritional profile snapshot of chickpea? In general, the majority of the varieties, they are having about 20% protein content. So this means that if a family is consuming 100 grams chickpea, then so in your body, around 20 gram protein is going at increase at we are not just working towards enhancing crop productivity from the climate change perspective. Rather, we are also planning to improve these nutritional quality and especially protein content because at Icreset in our gene bank, we have some accessions. So basically types of varieties which are not being domesticated or not being grown by the farmers, but they are having up to 25 to 30% protein content. This is another area of research where we think that we can enhance the protein content and without the sacrificing the yield, which is a challenging area, but we are working on those aspects as well. These would be wild varieties. You are right. So basically not grown, but then between the wild and cultivated, there is another transition. We call them land races. So these okay. are the land races and these land races, their crop productivity is low, but they may have the higher protein content. Some traits are really very good, but then we need to work by using genomics technology that how we can bring the genes for the higher protein content together with higher yield. Needless to say, chana is again very high in dietary fibers that help in digestion, high in vitamin C, B6, folates, improves the heart's functioning and controls blood sugar yes. levels. I'm glad that you have mentioned these things and I think these are also very important component when the country is struggling or trying to cope up with this COVID and in those contexts when you are having these kind of nutrients in your diet, they are really very helpful for our body to, to boost our immunity. So chickpea is really very important from that perspective as well. Essentially, chickpea helps us overcome the big twin challenges of fighting climate change and their superfoods. So Rajivji, take us through your research and how it has helped. Basically, genomics is a science where you try to understand the functions of all different genes present in a given variety or accession or plant. Way back in 2013, we decoded the genome sequence of chickpea. What this genome sequence means is that we try to understand the functions of all genes of chickpea plant. 
And I think at that time, when we got these genes in the range of 28,000 genes, so we had an idea. So this was point number one. And this was the start of our research for genomics assisted breeding. Then second component was that we wanted to work on the drought tolerance. And drought tolerance does not mean that well your plant can survive in the drought conditions. Rather, when we say drought tolerance means that you can have higher yield even in the drought conditions. And in this context, together with our colleagues from ICRISAT and our national partners here in India and also in Ethiopia and Kenya, we try to identify the genes which provides tolerance to the drought tolerance. And in this context, we identified a genomic region. I call them QTL hotspot. So QTL hotspot is a genomic region in the genomes and where we are having several genes associated with drought tolerance. Rajivji, before we proceed further, just for the benefit of laymen like me, could you tell us the difference between these terms gene and genome and what does genome sequencing mean? So as we know that any individual and this can be plant, human, animal, for instance, if we talk human being, you are Mr. Vivek, I'm Rajiv Varshne, you will find different people, but all of us look different. Different people have different height, eye color, hair color, body, all these things. And all these things controlled by the different genes. Our body is made up of the cells and in the cells you have the nucleus, inside the nucleus you have the chromosomes and chromosomes are made up of the DNA. The segment of the DNA is called gene. Now, each organism is having some certain number of the genes. And if we would like to understand those genes, then for that purpose, we do the genome sequencing. And for doing the genome sequencing, we need to have high-end machines. And what we do in this genome sequencing, we take the DNA from all chromosomes of a cell, and then we cut them in small, small pieces. And then we put this fragmented DNA in the machines by using some different protocols or so. And this DNA is made up of four nucleotides, A, C, G, T. So these are something like beads in a chain kind of thing. And then this order of those A, C, G, T varies from one organism to the other organism. When we put all these DNA in the genome sequencer, then we determine the order of those A, C, G, T in the different fragments. And then after using the bioinformatics approaches, we put these smaller pieces together and then we basically decode the entire genome of that particular species or so. How does the sequencing help in creating new varieties? We determine a trait. So for instance, that now I would like to develop a variety, better variety for drought tolerance or heat tolerance or plant height or different. And then we asked our breeders here at Ecreset and our national partners like Dr. Bhardwaj from Indian Agriculture Research Institute, Dr. N.P. Singh, Director of Indian Institute of Pulses Research and many other partners. And then they told that now we have some varieties which were developed by traditional breeding, but some varieties like JG11, which is having higher drought tolerance, but by using the traditional methods, they could not develop the better varieties which can beat the yield of JG11. Similarly, is the case of basically Pusa 372 variety, which was developed from the IARI from Delhi. So these are the drought tolerant varieties. But then they asked, can we develop more drought tolerant varieties or more robust varieties? For doing this thing, Vivek, what we do, that we work with some specialized genetic populations with our breeding program. We put them in the field and we evaluate them for two to three years at several locations and in the different regions in India. And then we bring the DNA from those populations. And then 
we do the genotyping which is a smaller part of the sequencing so we do not go to the whole genome level so we did genotyping of these populations and by using the genotyping data and phenotyping data then we did this correlation analysis and by doing this analysis we have identified the genomic region which i was talking the quantitative trait locus so quantitative means that drought is a quantitative trait so continuous variation and on the chromosome we have identified some genomic segment and then we say that if these genes are present in a particular plant then this plant will give the higher yield so if you are a traditional breeder the whole process take 8 to 10 years depending on the crop etc so development of variety take 8 to 10 years and every year you need to put all progenies in the field sometimes when you are working on drought and you cannot control on the rain and if your progenies are in the field and then somehow rain comes then for that year all your data just goes waste because you cannot evaluate for the yield so what i'm trying to say these traditional breeding approaches they take more time they take more energy and sometimes also not in your hand genomics assisted breeding they do not need to be confused with the gmo or genetically modified organism rajiv if you could talk about what is gmo is called genetically modified organism or sometimes these are called genetic engineering as well and what they do that cotton for instance so in yes. cotton we have problem of insect and then this basically damage this flower production etc and what they did that to address this issue they brought one gene from one bacteria called bacillus thuringiensis and then they put this gene from that bacteria in the cotton plant and because this gene came bt bacillus thuringiensis when this gene went in the cotton genome and then this produces one particular protein because of this protein insect does not come to the cotton plant so as a result they have developed the insect resistant variety and they called bt cotton so that's product is called gmo the genetically modified organism here in the genomics assisted breeding we are not bringing any gene from outside chickpea we are just working within chickpea and while selecting the plant you can make the crosses even the greenhouses and then basically instead of taking one generation in the field you can have two to three generation in the greenhouse and instead of spending lot of money or spending lot of time just in two to three years you can reach at the stage where you are having the lines which you will be having basically through the traditional breeding so you can reduce the time it is like going from a in a belgardi to having the acceleration of a lamborghini absolutely absolutely you are right so it so el- then, eliminates the need for a lot of trial and error that's correct that's correct and that's the reason we also call this approach very precise very cost effective very accelerated approach tell us something about the fantastic results that you found that made this new variety into we called a super chickpea okay i'm just giving an example so for instance let's see that this variety this like as we said pusa 372 which is really good variety the yield was it was around 2101 kg per hectare now in that same place next to this one when we are having this bgm or pusa 10216 variety which we developed through genomics assisted breeding that gave the yield for instance 2321 kg per hectare to that level where we can develop the better varieties and i gave this example of only one variety for drought tolerance but there are several success stories now for chickpea we also developed uh, listeners i want rajiv to recount the sort of inspirational moment that he had 
while meeting the great American agronomist Norman Borlaug. After doing my PhD way back in 2000, and then I went in Germany and I was working there as a research scientist. I started this project in January 2001, working at Institute of Plant Genetics and Crop Plant Research. And I worked there for five years. And at that time, I was working on barley. At that time point, I was engaged on the project to improve the malting quality of barley. So basically how you can produce higher quality barley. During my tenure at IPK, I had an opportunity to participate in a conference and the conference name was From Green Revolution to Gene Revolution. And I was as a young scientist, I was very inspired, very excited to meet many high profile people, including Norman Borlaug. We had also had Dr. Swaminathan also there in meeting, Dr. Gurdev Kosh, many high profile people who are well-known agricultural scientists in the world. And when we are having some discussions and then after that, this was a privilege for me to discuss my research. And after that, when he was giving the keynote speech, he told, I challenge next generation of scientists to take up the challenge to utilize the genomic information for helping smallholder farmers in developing countries. And I can tell Vivek that this thing still remains in my ears. And on that day, I felt so much inspired and encouraged. And after that, I had a lot of discussions with different people. I said, yeah, he's absolutely right. And I'm coming from India. Here, I am working on a project to improve the malting quality. Of course, this is going to be very helpful for brewing industry or large-scale farmers in Germany. But can I contribute something, my knowledge, my expertise, to contribute something to smallholder farmers? And after that, I started to look for the opportunities in India. I was really lucky. I got four or five places, different offers. But in the end, in the late 2005, I joined a Crescent. And from that day onwards, I always have this dream that, well, how we can contribute or how we can accelerate the genomics research first in these crops. What do you mean when you say orphan crops? In these crops, you do not have the resources. Resources means you don't understand, you don't have any genomic tools to understand these crops like wheat or rice or barley or soya, we like that one. So these crops used to be called orphan crops. So basically, there are not many researchers around the world who are even developing those tools or technology in these crops. So this was a big challenge. And we took up this challenge always remembering that words of Dr. Norman Borlaug and that, well, how we can contribute. On that note, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Vivek, for putting very nice questions. And I would like to thank all the listeners as well for their time. Thanks, Rajiv.